When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Charged Up Studio listeners, it's hard to believe that we are almost two months into 2021 already. I've been venturing out a little the last few weeks, beginning to meet some of my customers face-to-face and attending networking gatherings, etc. The one thing I am continuously hearing while out in the field again is how excited everyone is to finally be able to get out and interact again. Let me clarify that we are still following the same safety rules with the masks and social distancing, but we as human beings are social creatures and we thrive on the personal connection that comes with face-to-face interaction. With that being said, Today's podcast focuses on employee resource management within the business and what we can expect to dictate how we move forward in 2021. One of the questions that came up during our interview that we did not want to expand upon during this podcast because it's still up in the air is the topic of mandatory immunization by employers. Should employers be allowed to mandate employees to get the COVID immunization prior to returning to work? And if they wish not to, is that grounds for dismissal? For that matter, will we as a working society be required to get the COVID vaccine in order to do our jobs if it requires travel? My husband and I were exploring taking a cruise later this year once the pandemic calmed down. However, we were told that the vaccine will be mandated to travel. Because we are still very hesitant to get the vaccines for fear that it it was pushed through quickly without sufficient testing, we decided as a couple to wait a year to see how the immunization statistics played out. As listeners reflect or have opinions, we would like to know your thoughts. Should we be mandated to get a vaccine, to efficiently perform our jobs, enjoy downtime without potentially putting our health more at risk with an unproven vaccine? I would love to know your thoughts. Reach out to me via email at info at Now let's move on to our show for today. I apologize ahead of time that there will be a, a little cross over talking in a few areas. Uh, These are just technical issues, Um, but it does not take away from the information being shared. So let's kick it into gear. 
Happy Charged Up Tuesday, everybody. This is Dana Olivo with Marketatomy LLC, and this is Charged Up Studio Podcast. Um, today, we are bringing you um, a very controversial and heavy topic when it comes to uh, businesses and how the HR aspect of it is carried out. I'm not going to be one that's going to be an expert on this because I haven't had to go through this being in business for myself. I'm not an employee and I'm not an employer because I don't have any full-time employees. So uh, I'll be interested to hear what Jessica and Elda have to say here. So let me just tell you a little bit about who my guests are today. We've got Jessica Rivera, who is president of No More Mondays, a human resources and governmental affairs consulting firm. Jessica, along with her sister, Elda Rivera, No More Mondays strategic solutions director, work with organizations to improve human relations and organizational development. Today, we're gonna to be talking about how the recent pandemic has changed the rules about how we meet staffing needs in a virtual environment. Hello, Elda, Jessica, I'm glad you're here with us. Thank you for having us, Dana. Oh, great. So when we, um, when we originally decided that we were gonna do this, I know that, that Jessica, I have been through a couple of your presentations already over the last several months. Um, as it relates to this, but um, I, what's happened recently is um, the news is reporting that business licenses have increased 83% since March of last year, which means that we have 83% more small businesses starting up. Now, whether they're starting up in the small business, in the small aspect, or whether they're starting up already existing is really going to depend on, you know, what type of business it is. I know that there are companies that will start up immediately. They've worked on the side and they've got major contracts that they're going to be doing hiring right away. And they're going to have to fill certain positions. So I know that No More Mondays deals primarily with medium, mid-sized companies, right? That is correct. Yes. So even though we do have some small business um, entrepreneurs that are listening to us, it's important that you learn what they have to say because it's still going to be pertinent to you. All right. So let's talk a little bit about um, Jessica and Elda. What have you seen? Let's, let's start with Jessica. What have you seen happen since March of last year as far as HR is concerned? And, and the regulations and everything. Well, Dana, um, we have seen so many changes so rapidly since March of last year in, in everything that, that concerns the labor market. Um, some things that we have seen are, are things and trends that, that were talked about or that were considered and that we were familiar but some others, um, not so much. Uh, some of the first things that come to mind when we talk about the impact um, that COVID has had in the workplace, you know, the main things that come to mind are, you know, first and foremost, the healthy and safety of the employees, um, unemployment, and of course, 
the concept of working from home. When we talk about the health and safety of the employees, none of us could have imagined um, 18 months ago that we would all be wearing masks to go to work. So when the pandemic started, so many empl employers, if not every single employer was tasked with the responsibility of ensuring and, and, and providing um, tools and guidelines in order to protect our employees. Right. Um, the safety of the employees is something that is usually at the forefront of the companies, right? Mm -hmm. But when we thought about it back then, you know, prior to COVID, we always thought about what can we do in terms of ergonomics or Emergency. what yeah. exactly. Right. And we also talk, thought about it in the sense of, do we have the necessary uh, insurances in place and policies, right. uh, workers' compensation? But here we have a pandemic that we knew nothing about. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of contradictory information as well. And not only is this information or lack of information is, is coming to the employers, but also to the employees. You know, they're hearing about it on TV, on social media, um, you know, through their, through their family members, through their friends. So all of this confusion really created a big concern about what to do. How can we best protect our employees? Uh, and as a result of this, we also saw a lot of individuals who were afraid to come to work. Yes. Um, a lot of individuals who felt, you know, companies are not doing enough to protect the well-being of the employees. So that challenge of balancing profit and the safety and well-being of the employees and also of our clients uh, has been a, a very, very important issue. Um, and, and it continues to be. Exactly. Um, so it's, it's been, I would say, the, the, the main challenge that, right. that employers have had after the pandemic. Um, right, right. Well, you know, um, Jessica, I mean, um, uh, Elda, okay, you deal more in the management side, right? of the HR with the actual companies? We do, yeah. And I do visit a lot of clients and, and have to be in some sort of way, not full-time virtual, but I have to be, we have to be in the field with our employees and our clients because um, you just have to be there, uh, right? Uh, human resources is something that you cannot do with it without the human component, yeah. which has been a challenge as well. Right. Um, even when with training employees and everything, you know, how do you train a whole group of people when it's not safe to have them in the same room at the same time for a long period of time anymore? Exactly. Um, so it's things that we have to juggle. But but like Jessica was saying, you know, uh, those challenges that all every employer has been um now forced to juggle and figure out we're still dealing with those things we're still dealing with um you know that that fear um we see it every day with with some of the clients that we have and 
some clients have the luxury of doing the virtual work from home, but other clients and other companies, they don't have that luxury because what they do requires them being physically present at their stores or at their restaurants or, um, you know, depending what type of of business you run. So it's not um, an easy thing. And, you know, the virus is still out there. The risk is still out there. And those employees that are going to work because they need, you know, they they need to make um, their, their paycheck at the end of the day, they're going out there with their mask on and they are taking this risk, right? You know, they're, they're taking on the risk and going there to work every day, but um, there's still a challenge because right. when right. somebody gets uh, infected with the virus, even though, you know, you're not supposed to spread the word about that employee, they always know what's happening <laughs> because well, they talk that, to each that, other. And that brings me to the next question. And I don't know which one of you would be addressing this, but you know, when someone or yeah, when it's detected that there's been an exposure to COVID per se, and I have my own personal opinions as far as COVID per se, you know, um, but when someone has been suspected of that, okay, and they can't say who it is, but then whoever has been in close contact with them, they automatically have to go into isolation as well for a 14 day period. Okay. How do employees, employers, how are employers handling this? Well, the best way to handle this situation and what employers should do based on the CDC guidelines is they must inform the employees that somebody has been infected with COVID. Um, They should always encourage employees to go get tested, you know, in the event that um, that they have any symptoms. Of course, we can't force people, although, mm-hmm. again, that could be argued based on, on the type of, of uh, the line of work that the individual performs. But we do have an obligation to, to protect the individual's uh, privacy. Uh, therefore, we should never be disclosing the name of the individual or individuals that have tested positive, but we should inform them that somebody in the team has and then encourage them, obviously, to, to get tested if necessary and obviously to continue to observe, um, you know, the, the necessary uh, precautions. Right. And, and right. what Jessica saying is, you know, uh, obviously we have to always point to who's giving direction, which in this case is the CDC. Uh, It's the ones that are providing the guidance to, especially for employers and businesses. But it's also very important to understand that every case is different and every business is different. So you can't just apply something, you know, because you read it on the website, you have to assess the situation. Right. Um, You know, how close are your employees working? Uh, do you work in a closed environment, in an open environment? Uh, are they wearing masks? Um, are they sitting next to each other? Um, how how long are they, uh, you know, collaborating or working together? How close are they? So there are many things that you have to assess um, in the situation in order for you to determine the risk, basically. Right. If that person is in a high-risk situation, in a medium-risk situation, in a low-risk situation, and then take action. Right. Right. 
Well, my, you know, David, my husband, um, he is a systems engineer and he works for an organization that is very large. Um, and they have three, I think three levels of employees. There are those level one that have to be there. They're in research or they're in development, you know, they're building products, you know, things like that. And then you have levels two and three, which don't necessarily have to be in the office except for, for, you know, secret clearance, top, top secret clearance, you know, meetings, you know, and things like that. But um, what they've done is, you know, basically they've had them clear out all their offices. They're at home permanently right now. Okay. And so therefore that's how they've done this, you know, as, as far as um, the uh, social distancing, you know, as far as their employees are concerned. But one of the things that I'd like to talk a little bit about is um, these virtual employees that are working out of their homes now, and some of them are not set up to work out of the house. You know, they've got children who are running around in the background, you know, and stuff like that. There's no dedicated space for them to work, you know, from home. Uh, but then there are those that do have the dedicated space, you know, so when we're talking about the virtual workers, there's a balance that we have to take, keep in mind, okay? They're not having to travel back into the office every day. So they're saving on gas. They may be saving on childcare because they have to keep the kids home because the kids, the childcare isn't taking them in, you know, or something like that. I don't know. But at the other, at the other end of the spectrum, I've heard reports that um, there may be efforts to lower wages. But then we have this, this uh, bill being passed, uh, passed to raise wages. So where's that balance there? Because we're using our electricity, we're using our space in our house as dedicated workspace, but we're employees. Is there a balance there that we should be looking at? You know, Donna, um, work from home is a subject that, I mean, we can't speak for hours about work from home. Um, the short answer to your question is, and, and again, this is, this is such a, uh, an important topic. Yes. But the short answer to your question, most employers and employees are finding the balance in what you just mentioned. Yes, um, you are home, you are using your utilities, in some cases, your own resources, but at the same time, the hours that you're saving by having to drive, the gas, the cart maintenance, the having to go out and eat lunch or perhaps have your uh, coffee on your way home. So that is where most employees and employers are finding their balance. Now, you know, when we talk about working from home, Pre-COVID, uh, this subject was one of the most sought out and, and talked about benefits. Mm -hmm. um, you know, little did we imagine uh, that working from home was actually going to be critical for the survival of so many organizations yeah. and so many jobs. At the beginning of the pandemic, when we talked about working from home, we were only focusing on do you have a computer? Uh, do you have the, the materials, the resources necessary in order for you to be able to perform your job or 
does does your job does your uh line of work allows you to work from home mm -hmm. but there were so many other areas that we either had um very little knowledge and very little guidance such as record keeping like you say now we're working from home how do we safeguard those documents and that information especially now that so many individuals are using their own resources and their own computers. Um, another thing that, that we really have in focus is on the safety of, of those individuals when we're working from home. You know, as Elda was talking earlier, um, we have focused on those individuals that are not being able to work from home. How work are they from one another how many people do you have in exactly. a space mm -hmm. but we have not talked about how do we how do we make sure that those individuals working from home that they're they have you know the infrastructure or the uh tools that they need to make sure that they are protected while they're working from home um another thing that you mentioned is that has to do with wage and our regulations. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of employees who work from home that are hourly employee. Right. How are we tracking the hours of those individuals and how do we ensure that we are paying them correctly? Right. Now that they're working from home, now that um, perhaps they come to work later or earlier because right. now they have to also support their kids that are doing virtual school or also taking care of the kids because uh, the, day the daycares are not operating. Um, policies and procedures, how do, we, how do we enforce our harassment policies now that people are working virtually? Do we even do? Uh, do we talk about it? Uh, have we forgotten about, um, again, enforcing our, our, our policies, whether that is harassment policies, sexual harassment policies? How do we motivate people? Um, how do we measure their performance now that people are working right. at different locations? And, and sometimes, all... sometimes in different states, because yeah. now that individuals are working from home, they're not necessarily confined to a specific city or to a yeah. specific state or to a specific country. Right. Um, another thing which in, in my opinion, it's one of the most important um, human resources aspects that, that have been really affected with the working from home concept is diversity and inclusion, particularly when we talk about the role of women in the work so in, in the workplace. Um, with so many parents having to take care of their kids while working from home, right. it has been predicted that most of the progress that women have made this far, uh, when it comes to the C-suite, uh, when it comes to leadership roles, when it comes to equal pay, it is proven that women are more likely than men to quit their jobs in order to care for their kids. So before COVID, we had placed a lot of importance. And, and I, I, I think you will agree with me that women had made a lot of progress in those areas. Yes. And um, my fear 
And, and again, it has been predicted that most of the progress that has been made, unfortunately, um, that it's going to be gonna that be it's going to be lost. Right. You know, and I and I can see that happening. You know, I I can definitely see that happening. You know, the other thing to keep in mind is the fact that you know not only will it affect, but it's it's also going to affect the um the the kids and their education. So if we as even C-level employees or whatever have to stay home and, and help our children to catch up again, you know, that's, that's another reason why they may stay home. These, these women may stay home. But um, Alda, what, uh, what, if, what are you hearing from the employers out there? How do they feel things are moving forward? I think they're optimistic overall. I think they, they're still dealing with the challenges every day. Um, but I think at this point, they're, they're coping. I think they understand when an employee doesn't want to go to work because they, they have a fear. They're, they're more understanding. They realize that this is the situation, you know, that we're in. Um, and they just have to, we, we just have to be constantly learning, you know, and being in tune with the updates of, what changes are coming? Um, you know, what can we do? What are the what are the what are the trends? What are the laws that are impacting? So that uh, because the a big issue that has happened with all of this is the issue of um, you know uh, it, it, avoiding risk and avoiding uh, not trying to do you know something wrong because you don't know what you're doing and avoiding possible lawsuits in the future. Right. So everything that we do right now, every decision that we make around the disease, around the way that we treat our employees, it may or may not have a legal implication. Right. And that is something that, you know, now more than ever, I think that businesses have to have partners and, and, and people that can be resourceful in different areas right. so that they're educated. Yeah. And they're doing things, you know, knowing what are the, the risks involved. So, so moving forward a little bit, let's talk about what employers can mandate. Because when you were talking, Elder, when you were talking about, you know, um, employees afraid to come into work, okay, for fear for their health and everything, is what is the mandates that employers have the right to when it comes to forcing employees to come into the office? Well, an employer cannot mandate or should not mandate an employee that obviously has been infected with the virus to come into work. No, not infected ones, but... Correct. Yeah. But also people that, per the CDC guidelines, should be in quarantine because at that point they're being a responsible employer, not protecting their team and their employees. However, when that employee is out of the zone of risk, that employer can mandate that employee to come back and it is up to the employee to come back or not. So if, if there's not a risk associated, right, that has been where the situation has been vetted and that employee is not at risk and if the employee doesn't wanna come back, that doesn't mean that the employer has to wait forever. For that employee, especially so, if it's a position that right. is, you know, a, a, a critical position for the company to operate. So the employer does have the right once, you know, all 
barriers have been eliminated to let that employee go if they yes. don't want to come in. Okay. Absolutely. As okay. long as they're not discriminating and as long as all of those things are, have been vetted, they're not being, you know, irresponsible. The person's not at risk. Okay. Um, they, they, they call somebody back. A lot of people don't want to come back and they just opt to go in and apply for unemployment. Yeah. And that's, you know, our unemployment is making it easier for people to just, you know, not come back to, or even look for a job in exactly. all honesty, or even look for another job, not saying that there's jobs out there, you know, as far as that's concerned, I think that's probably why we've seen such a spike in new business licenses being taken out, you know, as far as that, you know, but let's talk a little bit about the virtual employees and how the the employers, the, the, the efforts that employers are taking to ensure that their virtual employees are still included as part of the, um, the tribe. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're, they're distanced, they're in their homes, they're operating on their own. How are employers, um, or what are some ways that employers can bring those virtual employees back together and help them feel as though um, they're part of the team still, and then also be able to monitor them better, their mental Absolutely. health. Um, Donna, and I think that part of the uh, reinventing ourselves that we so much talk about um, has to do with that, with not just reinventing um, our products or, or a brand, but actually reinventing also our, our processes, our procedures in how we do things. Um, I think that technology is having a huge, um, a huge impact in right. how well we can maintain people engaged. Uh, for instance, most of the platforms that we have out there allow people for video conference. You know, it has been proven that when individuals continue to have that face-to-face -face interaction, even if it's virtually, that that is, is a way again to, to, um, to enhance morale amongst right. the team. So today we're having to become more creative. Okay, um, we're having to become more creative and we also have to become more reliant on that technology. Um, and we also have to be a little bit more flexible and understand. I, I think in, in, you know, people that work with employees in today's day, especially those that do have that ability to work virtually, we have to go a little bit further into um, perhaps going and understanding more of the personal situation of every employee because every, every employee is gonna have a different situation to understand their work environment, you know, to understand, um, are you equipped uh, to do yeah. the work yeah. from your home? Um, you know, what can we do to allow you to be productive and right. still, right. you know, be part of the, of the company and do your work in an effective way and that may involve, like Jessica said, some creativity. It may involve changing schedules. It may involve changing hours, changing meetings. But I think mm -hmm. that, that having that, those touch points with your employees where you are checking in you know, to see how they're doing, not only with their work, 
production, but how are they doing overall? Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's not necessarily an eight to five job anymore. It might be, you know, an exactly. eight to 10 and then a one to, to seven or whatever, you know, um, and, and, you know, as long as the production's getting done, that's good, you know, as far as that's concerned. I, I, I think one of, for the many of the cases that we've heard out there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was saying that, 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 that many of the cases that we've heard out there is that production has actually increased in a lot of places. Not with people working from home. They don't have now they realize. Yeah. Yeah. Now they realize, you know what? We didn't have to be on them or you know, we didn't have to they didn't have to be in the office to be as product that productive. They can actually be as productive or even more from home. Um, we've got about five more minutes here. And um Jessica, I'd like to find out as far as uh, rules and regulations coming down. You know, uh, is there anything new that's coming around the, the, the corner that we should be prepared for? Well, um, Dana, as a result of, of the presidential election and, and now that, that President Biden has been uh, formally sworn in, uh, there, there are two things that, that we are, um, that we're keeping an eye on. Um, the first one is a possible expansion of the first coronavirus response act, uh, which is known as the, um, the FFCRA. As, as you may remember, last year on April, Congress approved the CARES Act, and um, that act included a provision, the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, that required employers to provide up to 80 hours of paid sick leave um, for a COVID-19 related health issue, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, that provision expired on December the 31st. Mm -hmm. So as of today, you know, as of the end of January, we are no longer obligated to pay employees who are absent due to a COVID-related issue. However, we may see an extension of this provision. And I want to reiterate that as of today, and when I say as of today, I'm talking, you know, the end of January, um, employers are no longer, that provision expired on December the 31st. But one of the things that, that are, um, under a radar is, is a possible expansion. Uh, President Biden already expressed an interest in expanding that provision. So we may see that coming back. Another thing that we are all hearing about and that we've been hearing about is the American Rescue Plan, which is the uh, proposal of a 1.9 trillion stimulus package. Now, when it comes to the labor market, um, that proposal, which again has not been approved yet, uh, is including an increase in the unemployment benefits. So right now, under President Trump's, um, uh, it was uh, Congress had approved a an, an additional three hundred dollars a week. Okay, right. that happened in twenty twenty. Now, there is a new proposal out there which will increase it from 300 a week to 400 per week. 
Um, another thing included on that proposal is an extension through September. And it will also link the level of unemployment benefits to general economic factors. So, so that benefits increase automatically when unemployment rates spikes. Again, um, this has not been um, formally approved yet, but it's certainly something that will impact uh, the labor market and, and, and the possibility, you know, how, right. how those unemployment rates are going to fluctuate and what will that uh, do to the labor market. So it, it'll be, uh, it's something to, to really keep an eye on. Interesting. Interesting. Anything else? I know Biden is, is really uh, pushing uh, to, to pass through a lot of these incentives, you know, and things like that. So, um, well, lo locally speaking, um, the, the laws that Jessica were ta was talking about were on a federal level, but locally speaking, um, everybody knows that the, um, the minimum wage went up this year, exactly. the beginning of this year, nine cents. And then, but we have a second um, increase that's coming in September which was something that was proposed and passed on the last election here in Florida. Mm -hmm. So employers are expected to have an increase or, or employees in the minimum wage to uh, $10 on September. So um, it's gonna be a, a, a dollar and something increase. So it, 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 it will have an impact in a lot of employers and a lot of employees that yeah, and may I have to start thinking about their strategies and may have to start doing um, you know, some projections yeah. to see how that's going to impact their business. Yeah. And I think that um, as far as the, um, the wage increase, I believe I heard that um, with employers, part of what they were concerned about was the fact that they were going to have to increase higher paid employees as well, you know, as the lower ones increase the higher ones in order to keep that that definition there yeah. <laughs> you know and, yes, it will, yeah it will create a ripple effect on that inevitably yes yes exactly um last before we get um finishing up uh what about the e-verify the mandatory e-verify can you just touch on that a little bit so um, for the state of Florida, there are two things that were formally approved. Um, the first one, and, and Elda just talked about, which is the, um, the minimum wage. The minimum wage, which uh -huh. you know, on the general election last November, uh, it was approved under the Florida Amendment Number Two, mm -hmm. uh, the the fifteen dollar minimum wage initiative. So that's one. And then the other one is the mandatory E-Verify, which it's going to require every Florida public employer, along with the private contractors and subcontractors, to enroll in and use the E-Verify system to confirm the eligibility of all employees hired after January the 1st. Okay, so after January the 1st, all um, public employers here in the state of Florida must use E-Verify. Uh, no public contract should be entered into without, uh, without having gone through the E-Verify certificate. And when you talk about public, you're talking about government. Correct. Yeah, okay, okay. So how does that apply to the private industry or does it? 
So basically, the effect that it has uh, on the private sector is that when a public employer, okay, when a public employer engages a private contractor, now that that private contractor okay. has entered into that engagement okay. with a public entity, then now they also have to confirm the eligibility of you know, employee. all the employees hired after okay. January the 1st. Okay, so, through E-Verified. Um, They're supposed to do that anyways, but now they have to use the E-Verified system. Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, that's... <laughs> It's a lot of things that are that are coming down the pike that we have to pay attention to, you know, as far as that's concerned. Um, you know, I don't know moving forward what the future looks like, uh, but I have a feeling that we're not going to be going back. Oh, I know we're not going to be going back to what we were at one point um, prior, you know, pre-COVID. I think we're going to see a lot more companies sticking with the virtual environment, which is um, which is why I wanted to get you guys on talking about what are the new rules and regulations and what do we need to be worried about as we're dealing with virtual employees, you know, um, and I'm talking employees, not 1099s here, as far as this is concerned. Um, moving forward, uh, I think that kind of, concludes our podcast today. Uh, if anybody wanted to reach out to you or have any questions for more information, how can they reach out to you? So the best way uh, to learn more about our services is through our website, www.nomormondays.net. Again, that is www.nomormondays.net. There they will find our information and they can also submit uh, questions and, and email us through our website. Excellent, excellent. All right, guys, I really appreciate it. I'm glad you guys were able to come on. This is Dana Olivo. This is the end of our podcast this week and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, Dana. And you can always reach us at info at chargedupstudio.com. You can follow us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and contribute to our platform on Patreon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.